0: Hey everyone and welcome, not only back to our podcast, but to 2022, we're kicking off this year with a brand new series called practicing the ways of Jesus. For our first message, we look at Jesus's parable of the four soils and receiving the word of God as a seed. The final thought is that if we truly want to grow and bear fruit, we not only need to receive the word, but put it into practice. Follow along with us in this series as we learn what it means to practice the ways of our master Jesus. We hope you enjoy this message. Guys, welcome. It is 2022. It's such a joy to be in here with you. I hope you guys had great breaks. I hope you had some rest, a good Christmas, a good New Year's, all of the above, and spending time with people you love and people that love you. Um, as I was praying about the new year and, and really, you know, trying to see where the Spirit might want to lead us into the new year, I kept coming back to this idea. I started talking to Dallas about it, and Dallas was like, dude, no way. As I've been praying about it, that's how I have been feeling the Spirit leading well. That's always a win-win when you feel like, oh, multiple people that hadn't talked to each other are sensing the Spirit moving in the same way. So uh, we're going to kick off the year with a series I'm pretty excited about. Um, I don't even know what his name is. It's, it's going to be called something like The Practices or or the Practicing the Way of Jesus, something like that. Um, but it, it really comes out of this idea a few years ago, right when COVID hit, we, we uh, everything was shut down and we kind of did this online thing for a while and man that was rough. It was it was just hard. It was hard to engage and we had this idea then that we really want to revamp now and it really centers around the question of like if we are going to follow Jesus and we are drawn to the person of Jesus, this this man we believed that lived a couple thousand years ago what were his ways of life? Like, what were his core values? What, what were the things he was about in the midst of teaching and doing miracles and, you know, being a good teacher about morality and how to live and, and being a prophet and all these um, things said about him? Like, what were his ways of living? And for those who follow him, how can we uh, come behind those? So, This series is called something like practicing the ways of Jesus, something like that. But tonight we're kicking it off uh, kind of foundation level. I was having a conversation with a brother of mine uh, over the weekend, and he and I were kind of joking around about this concept. Tell me if you're guilty of this. I'm guilty of this. Who finds themselves every now and then, maybe on social media? Anyone in the room? Anyone? Yeah, just a few times. It's not like a lot, just like here and there. Just like, un poquito, okay, just a little bit. You find yourself on social media. Anyone over the holidays, maybe you're just sitting around the couch and you find yourself on social media. Anyone's thumb muscles ever gotten sore the next day from just like how much you, you've done this? You wake up and you're like, oh, my thumb joints. No, you, you can be honest. This is a safe place. Uh, you're lying. Okay, so my brother and I were talking uh, about this. We were like, man, have you ever come across something on social media, which is designed, by the way, this is not accidental, like developers of social media, it's designed this way, they don't have your best interests in mind. They, <laughs> shocking, they are, what? Instagram doesn't have my best interests. They are, um, you know, like researchers and psych- psychologists and all this, like they are becoming masters on, Uh, predictability and the algorithms of what consumers and users want to see and blah, 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 blah. And it's all hyper endorphins, right? Like 60 second videos or less to grab your attention, give you a flood of some kind of feeling, and then you can go to the next. Or you don't even have to wait the whole time. If you don't like what you're looking at, you can skip it, right? Like it is entirely in your control, even though it's predicted algorithm based on what you've looked at before. So anyway, has anyone ever found themselves on these social media platforms watching a video that stirs up maybe sadness. You guys ever watch a video and you felt sad after watching the video? Yeah, I've been there too. Has anyone ever found a video on, on um, Instagram or TikTok or something that maybe stirs up like empathy? Like you watch a video and it's not sadness, but you have Compassion, you're stirred up because you you maybe watched an inspiring story uh, or you saw suffering and you were inspired to like think about it for a hot second. Like, oh wow, the world is bigger than just me. You ever been there? Yeah? Has anyone ever uh, found a video on social media that made you laugh, made you feel happy? Yeah. Has anyone ever found a video on social media that is just utterly ridiculous? You know it's a waste of time, but it is entertaining at a base level and you find yourself watching it. Yeah. And talking about it with your friends all the time. Yes. Okay. Island Boys would be an example of that. How have they they lasted since November? I did not predict that for 2022. I thought they were going to be two weeks and done, but they're still here. (laughs) Capitalizing on the fact that they're terrible. Okay. So there is a mix of videos out there. You and I both know this. For whatever reason, some of them trend and some of them don't. And, and some people use Instagram and TikTok for like real things and they're trying to like start small businesses and other people are just like entertainers and they're like, oh, watch this dance move. <laughs> like all this stuff, right? There's just a mix of stuff. I know. I know. If you follow me, you know it. I have two million views on that video alone. All right. So <laughs> no, but listen, <laughs> no, I've never... Done a first-person reel in my life. Okay, uh, but listen. Uh, side note: Do you guys remember Epic? You know our big, you know our Bigfoot, you know our Bigfoot video. Like it, it's gone. Vi- do you guys know? Do you guys know? For me, it's not like really viral, but for me, it's viral. You guys know that thing went viral. Twenty-five thousand views on our Epic Bigfoot Hunter video. 25,000 people out there are like, I want to watch this man hunt the Bigfoot. I'm like, dude, all right, have at it. And the comment section is unreal. Hannah, I've seen you interact with some of those people. Stop encouraging them. (laughs) Hannah's like, yeah, that's good insight. I bet the Sasquatch, like, just stop. Don't encourage these people. Anyway, I am in a viral video. All right, so, but the point of this is, it is so easy to hold this device right here and to look at a video, to look at a video, and feel stirred up with compassion and empathy and, and maybe even conviction. Like, oh man, the world needs to change. Someone needs to do something about that. Like, man, we need to pray for this. We, we need Jesus so desperately. And then in an instant with a thumb swipe, all of a sudden you're watching, bing, bong. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and you're laughing your head off, right? And then with another, And then with another swipe, you're seeing entertainers and influencers doing dance moves and getting crazy amounts of views. And then with another swipe, for some reason on your For You page, the algorithm thought, oh, you'd want to see this Russian video of clearly a staged interaction, but for some reason it has 4 million likes. All right, like whatever. And then you swipe again. And like, so the point of all this is my friend and I were talking and we were like, man, how crazy is it that that it's so normal, we have been so conditioned to receive an an unbelievable amount of information that instigates the entire spectrum of emotions and requires zero action. like we were talking about this over the weekend, and we were just kind of struck with like, man, how quickly has it changed? I mean used to if, if you got information, if, if someone came to you with information like before you know, <laughs> before TV even, right? Like if, if something was happening in your community and you receive that information, it may require you to take action. Like if there's an emergency going on in your community and you hear about it, you might respond. If someone's in trouble, if someone needs help or whatever. But now the world is so conditioned, you receive information, That instigates your entire spectrum of emotions, sadness, happiness, waste of time, but entertaining, compassion, conviction, empathy, man, we need to do something, anger maybe, who knows. It can trigger all that in 10 minutes or less, and it requires nothing of you. You don't have to do a thing with the information you've seen. And we've been conditioned to receive unbelievable amounts of information and do nothing with it. It's simply there for you to see or hear and then scroll to the next thing. And my concern is that if we're not careful, we can apply that exact same principle into our spiritual life. When we engage with Jesus, when we engage with the word of God, that that we can actually Hear the word of God, receive the word of God, that we can actually come to a physical place with other people who believe in Jesus on a Sunday morning or Sunday night and hear the inspired word of God being taught in the presence of his spirit through the victory and resurrection of his son that has spoken through the people of God throughout history, that we can actually come into that moment, hear something, and then because of our conditioning respond with, that requires nothing of me. I'll just scroll to the next thing. Maybe I'll listen to a podcast on the way home. I might hit up a quick Furtic joint on the way home. I might put on some Elevation Music on the way home. I might go to my favorite influencer and see what, you know, what their devotion was this morning when I get home. Like, we are conditioned to receive information that, that, that instigates our emotions and requires nothing of us. And my fear is, if that's how we've been conditioned every day, does that carry over to how we interact with Jesus and his word? Do we come to his word, and we hear it, we see it, hopefully we're reading it, and we do nothing with it? Are you guilty of that? I I would, I'm I'm just going to go out on a limb here, I would say yes, every single person in this room is guilty of that, and myself included. Like, you hear a sermon on Sunday, and you're kind of like, ah, that was good, or that was bad, and you do nothing with it. Like, you don't go home and ponder it, you're not, you don't take notes so that you can later go back and be like, all right, how do I need to apply this to my life? You don't pray over it, like, Spirit, what do you want me to do with that word that I heard this morning? You don't devote half an hour to just meditate in what you heard when you got home. No, you go to the next thing. We've been conditioned to scroll, searching for endorphins, things that make us feel good. What else can grab our attention? It's just how we've been conditioned. And if we are going to practice the life-giving ways of Jesus, one of the things we have to recognize is that in order for us to grow in our faith, we actually have to pause and do something with the words of our Lord Jesus. If you have ever, even one time in your life, thought that the Christian faith is boring, you don't feel like you're growing, it's kind of stale, you don't really feel God, one of the first questions I might ask you is, well, what are you doing with the words of God? Like, how have you put them into practice recently? Because most of the time when I have conversations with students and they're like, dude, this is, I don't know, man. I've lost the touch. I've lost the fire. I just don't feel God. It seems boring. It seems stale. I'm apathetic. I'm lazy in it. I'm asleep on it. If I just ask even this simple question, when's the last time you've read your Bible? Not that it's all about like the legalism of reading every day, but when's the last time you've engaged with the word of God? Oh, man, I don't know. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> if it's not in practice, it's going to feel stale, right? Have we allowed the conditioning of our culture to define how we interact with Jesus and his Word? And so if we're going to follow Jesus and practice his ways, if we're going to come to Jesus and say, he's master, he's Lord, I want to practice the ways of Jesus— we first have to admit the fact that maybe we are guilty of scrolling from one thing to the next in our spiritual life, looking for the next rush, the next epic retreat, the next big feeling, rather than engaging in the daily mundane word of God and spirit of God and prayer of God that don't seem that exciting when it's day to day. But that's how we grow. And so I'd love tonight To begin the new year by looking at Jesus, and one of the things he teaches, when he's kind of at the pinnacle of his following, when thousands, literally thousands of people are following him, kind of nomadically, they're moving around with him, they're engaging with his teachings, and the crowd is like diverse, it ranges from people who seem to really like what he has to say, and are drawn in, and man, I want to know more. All the way to like people who are curious and just there to see what he does next. What miracle is he going to do next? What's going to happen next? And then people who dislike him and just come to hear him so that they can trick him, trap him by his words, and eventually plot his murder. Um, And so his his crowd uh, ranges from so many. And at the pinnacle of his popularity, like if I told you, hey, Jesus, at the pinnacle of his popularity, delivers a sermon, what do you think that sermon would be about? Like you might say to me, man, if he's got a crowd of thousands and they are leaving their homes and jobs and traveling around the countryside to hear him, if he's at the peak of his popularity, he's only got three years to do public ministry and to teach, maybe he'd talk something about love. I don't know, like love. Maybe he'd focus on, I don't know, the kingdom. Maybe he'd focus on what God is like or how we can come to know him. Like what do you imagine Jesus saying when I tell you at the peak of his popularity he delivers a sermon? In your mind, what is it about? I guarantee you, you're not thinking what he actually talks about. Matthew chapter 13, at the peak of his popularity, massive crowds are following him. Jesus delivers a message about a farmer who puts seeds in the field. It's like, dude, what? Like that doesn't seem very strategic at all. You've got these masses following you. And Jesus is like, all right, uh, man, more here than I've ever had. Uh, all right, let me, uh, there's a farmer and he puts seeds in the ground. And it's like, what? What, what are we even listening to, bro? Like I, I took off work for this sermon. I don't even know what this is about. A farmer? Agriculture? Like, dude, give me something I can use, man. Even like love your enemy would be better than this. And Jesus decides in the pinnacle moment, to speak abstractly, he, he uses a parable, which is meant to either pull people closer to him, the ones that desire, or kind of stump people in the midst of their doubt. Like it causes people to wrestle with what he's saying. And that's the point. Jesus doesn't want to create for you a TikTok or a reel that's simply entertaining and at face value you get everything. He wants to create something for you that forces you to wrestle with it, to identify who are you in this story and how do you need to respond to it. All the work is on your end. And Jesus was the master of teaching parables. So here we go. Pinnacle of his popularity. Jesus teaches this parable. Matthew chapter 13. Starting in verse 1. Scripture says that that same day Jesus went out of the house he was teaching in and he sat down beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him. It's at the height of his popularity. There's great crowds. There's thousands literally physically there. And so he got into a boat and he sat down. So the crowds were like inching in on him, so much so that he ran out of real estate. He, he didn't have any land to stand on anymore, but the, the geography is kind of a natural rise. And so Jesus, being a smart teacher that he is and just understanding basic things about geography, gets into a boat and goes out into the water and kind of creates this natural amphitheater because your voice carries on water much better than it does on land. And so he goes out a little bit. The crowds are kind of on this land, this hill going up. And he begins to teach them as they stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables saying a sower went out to sow. Or in other words, a farmer went out to put seed in the ground. A sower went out to sow and he sowed. (laughs) That's what a guy going out to sow does. Some seeds fell along the path. So imagine a road there beside the field. This guy's just going out, sowing a seed in the field, throwing seeds everywhere. And some land on a path and birds came and devoured them. Birds came and ate the seeds that fell on the path. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. So in this field, there's a path running adjacent. Some seeds fall there. Birds come and eat them. And then some seeds fall on ground that has rocks. There's a little bit of soil, but it's shallow because the rocks are there. And so the seeds that fell on the rocky ground, they sprang up. They grew there. But since there was no depth of soil... When the sun rose, they were scorched. They had no roots. Their growth was only up, but never deep. They responded, but they didn't grow deep. And the sun scorched them. They had no root and they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns. So in this field of the farmer or or on the edge or something, Jesus is wanting us to imagine that there's a hedge of thorns, some brambles, something like that. And some of the seeds fell in there. Those seeds grew up, but they were choked out. The thorns kind of snuffed them. The thorns grew over them and took all the sunlight and choked them out. Other seeds, though, fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Do you have ears in this room? Yeah. Then you should listen. That's what Jesus is saying. If you have ears, you should listen to this. It's, it's just a A cheeky way of saying, this is important. You have ears? Then you should listen. So Jesus tells this parable. Now this may not strike you, because the reality is, we're not like an agriculture uh, culture. Agriculture culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's called an agrarian culture, is that right? Yeah, like we don't depend on farming in our community. It's all brought in by trucks and into our grocery stores. I doubt... Highly doubt anyone in this room is like, My entire diet is grown in my backyard. Like, I'm totally self sufficient off the grid. Like, no. We go to Bilo and Food Lion and Lowe's Foods and Walmart and Target and all these places that carry food. And most of the time, we don't even know where that stuff comes from. We're just like, Oh, what am I in the mood for? And if you're like me, you go into the grocery store when you're hungry, which is a terrible idea because literally every uh, yogurt covered pretzels, I need Like, everything. Looks good at that point. <laughs> 13 avocados. I bet I can eat them before they spoil. No, you can't. You can't, man. And we go into the stores and we load up. We, we're not dependent on food in our own community. We just assume it's going to come in from somewhere, right? And so this stream, this seems like a strange paraplegal. Like, Jesus, you're at the peak of your popularity. Like thousands are gathered there. He pushes out into the boat and he's out there in the water. He's like, yo, I got a word. And everyone's like, what's he going to say? And think about it, this is in the middle of Matthew's gospel. Like up to this point, Jesus has already delivered the sermon on the mount. He's performed miracles. He's cast out demons. He's gone toe-to-toe with the religious systems of the day. Jesus has stirred up and ruffled feathers. Like everybody wants to know what's next. And thousands are gathered there and the boat floats out into the water. And Jesus is like, a farmer puts seeds in the ground. Like go home. (laughs) Like, all right, interesting sermon. And it may not land on our ears the way it landed on theirs, but they were entirely dependent on their communities who grew food. It would have hit different. And it was so confusing that Jesus would give this message that even his disciples, his like closest core group, his best friends came up to him and they were like, bro, why do you teach in parables? No one knows what you're saying. That's the passage that follows what we just read. No one gets it. We don't even get it, man. And we, we've been with you since almost day one. Why do you teach in these parables? And Jesus explains to them his purpose for teaching in parables. And then they're like, well, dude, we, we still don't get it. And so Jesus says, all right, let me break down the parable of the sower, the farmer. Let me break that down for you. And that's where we're going to jump next. Matthew 13, chapter, or verse 18. Jesus explains to his disciples He says this. All right, if you really don't get it, then let me help you get it. Verses 18 and 19, Jesus says this. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, because that's what Jesus was all about, the kingdom of God. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away that which has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. All right. Do you guys remember what snatched those seeds away that were sown along the path? Birds in the parable, right? Did anyone connect the dots that birds was actually Satan? Probably not. It's not that clear. That's why his disciples were like, bro, what is up with the birds, (laughs) right? And Jesus actually says that is Satan himself. All right, so here we go. I have this, uh, this is our, this is a pot. It is filled with soil. Everyone see this? It is filled with soil. Is this good soil? Y'all doubting my pot. All right, and I have here some, some seeds, all right? Now, Jesus says that there was a farmer, and he was out in his field. He was sowing seed. Now, this is a a method of farming, like we think in terms of, like, dude, he didn't plow, he didn't plant the seed, he just threw him on top. <laughs> Newbie, right? Like, no, this is a method that existed where you just by hand just scatter it, kind of on the top soil. And Jesus said, some of this seed doesn't even land in the good soil. It doesn't even land in the soil. It's it's off on the path. Like, if the field is here, the seed is like out there. Oh <laughs> this isn't. Lowry, this is an interactive sermon, okay? I I need you to be ready. This is the word of God, okay? It's the seed of God, all right? So you guys are the path. Congratulations. I I don't know if I can get it that far. I'm not a farmer, man. All right, so the seed, Jesus is like, dude, the seed doesn't land on the soil. It lands on the path. It's not in the soil. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says... we all ready for this? We all ready for this? I'm not throwing it. I'm not throwing it. You guys crazy. I'll never get it back. No, no. Jesus says, Larry, don't throw seeds at me, please. Okay. I know you're the path. I'm the storyteller. Okay. The path gets the seeds. Jesus says, Jesus says that on the path, because it was flat and trampled down on the path, birds came. Okay. Birds came. I'm going to put this guy right here. Birds came and picked those seeds away. Now the disciples were like, dude, what what, like, what what? does that have to do with life, Jesus? Why do you teach these things in these ways? No one gets them. Can you help us understand? And Jesus says, I'll help you. And Jesus goes, he says, look, When I'm talking about the seeds on the path, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, or in other words, when anyone hears the word of Jesus, the word of God, the teachings of the kingdom, and he does not understand it, the evil one comes, Satan comes, and snatches away that which has been sown in his heart. Now what's interesting about this, if you read this, you're like, wow, what a standard to receive the word of God. Because Jesus says, those who heard the word, do you have ears in this room? Yeah. Then you should listen. Those who heard the word of the kingdom and don't understand it. Let me ask you honest question. Have you understood every single verse in the Bible that you've ever come across? I have not, and I've been studying it for a lot of years. And I don't understand every verse. And I have to do a lot of homework and dig into the languages and all sorts of stuff. And Jesus is like, those who don't understand it, Satan comes and snatches it away, which is like, dang, I mean, who's smart enough to understand every, so here's the deal, when we read that verse, we tend to interpret understanding the way Americans think about understanding. How do Americans think about understanding? Anyone? (laughs) Anyone? Okay, yeah, Annabelle, it makes sense. In other words, we think about understanding here, reason, logic, because our education system is is based on Greek style of learning, which, which is all about information received and processed here. But Jesus is speaking to a Jewish audience, and their education system is not based here, it's based here. Do you, do you understand it in your heart? In other words, Jesus is saying those who don't understand it here with their whole self. In fact, did you know there is no word in the entire Bible for brain? Like the way that biblical authors thought about understanding was, was reason and brain included? Yeah, of course. But it was all about the heart, the whole self like taking it into your soul. That's how you comprehend the word of God. So when we read here that people who don't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, it's not talking about your mental ability to understand something. So take a breath, all right? Have, have grace on yourself. You don't have to be so smart that you get every Bible verse you ever read. What this is actually talking about, what Jesus is actually getting at here is, has anyone ever come across a Bible verse or, or a concept that butts up against something in your soul, and you really don't know what to do with it. And so you start to deliberate, which is fine, by the way. And you start to have conversations about what you're wrestling with, which is fine, by the way. And you start to doubt or ask questions, which is healthy and it's good as long as we're, we're doubting things so that we can learn truth. But what I've seen, and maybe you've seen this too, is sometimes people can deliberate and question and talk about and contemplate something for so long that there's never any action step of actually doing something with it. It's simply in the drawer of, I will contemplate this concept until I have some sense of clarity on it. And it's like, dude, what if clarity never comes? Like do you divide up the word of God that way that if, if you butt up against something and it, and it makes you wrestle with it, which a lot of things in the word of God will make you wrestle because this is gonna contradict the world's values in a lot of times. Do you, just, do you have this category in your mind of like, unless it makes 100% sense to me, I will never do anything with that. It's like, wow. What room do you leave for faith in those instances? The Bible's not asking us to dismiss reason and logic, far from it. What Jesus is saying here, though, is sometimes we can be so guilty of contemplating and deliberating and wrestling with things and making an art of that practice to the point where we never do anything with the Word of God that we're wrestling with. It only exists in conversations and arguments and debates, and I wonder what they think about it, and I wonder what they think about it. Maybe I can push their buttons with my viewpoint. Like right now, this, this massive movement is going on where so many people in the Christian faith who grew up in the Christian faith are kind of taking their faith apart for a variety of reasons. And some of those reasons I think are extremely valid. But when we, when we come to things in the scriptures or teachings of Jesus, and, and they make us wrestle with who we thought God was or who we thought Jesus was, it is okay to have conversations around those concepts and to wrestle with those things and to have questions and to try to seek answers. But some people make an art of just living in the camp of, yeah, I still don't know what I think about that. Okay, but, but dude, you've been, you've been wrestling with that for 10 years. You've had a million conversations about it. Yeah, I still don't know how I think about that. I get that you don't have clarity, but maybe Jesus is inviting you to simply submit to the word of God, even without crystal clear understanding. That, that you've put too much priority on understanding everything to the fullest extent here, maybe Jesus is saying, it, we need to understand here. It's an act of submission sometimes. He doesn't mean don't wrestle with it, don't talk about it, don't, don't have conversations, don't try to figure out things you misunderstand. But what he's saying is sometimes you can just live there so long that the enemy comes and plucks that up. That he actually takes the truth away from you. And so one of the things Jesus, I think, wants us to know from this parable is that there is a real force of evil in this world. And one of the things he does is actually prevents people from understanding the word of the kingdom. By causing so many doubts and questions and what do, how do we understand that? And what do we do with that? And I, I can't put it in my heart yet because I don't get it here yet. And it's like, dude, if you live in that camp for so long, that seed will be taken. There is a real force of evil in this world, and he does prevent people from coming to understand the word of the kingdom. That's one of his agendas. And Jesus is teaching that some of the seed falls on the path, and if it stays there too long, it is snatched. And so the path that Jesus is talking about really is describing a frozen faith. Like, you believe in Jesus... You've heard his teachings, but you are not doing anything with them. You're like thinking about them. You're contemplating them. You have that age old excuse. Like, I mean, once I figure it all out, then I'm really going to live for Jesus. It's like, dude, put it into action. You don't have to have it all figured out before you start to believe. Your faith is frozen in the name of like reason. I got to figure it all out here before I can do anything else. It's like, I get that. And there is room for that. And there are some really smart people in this world and good apologists and good debaters and and people who are so smart, way smarter than than me, who think here and can lay out things uh, in a really understandable way. I get that. But Jesus' point is, if you live there and you never use this, a lot of times the enemy can swipe that from you. The path describes a frozen faith, a faith that's just not doing anything. So then he goes on to talk about the rocks. Remember the seeds that fell in the rocks? I have some seeds here. What? You don't want to be the rocks? You're the rocks just for that comment. All right, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. This is no way it's reaching, dude. These, I'm going to try. Ready? Alright, my rocks, alright, alright, my rocks, the rocks, the rocks are my, uh... yeah, well, my rocks are rows, rows four through six, those are my rocks, alright, so Jesus is teaching. Facilities, facilities is going to kill me, by the way, like, dude, why did we find, who had a wedding? (laughs) who got married? All right. Jesus says this, verse 20 and 21. He goes, as for what was sown on the rocky ground, you guys remember the rocks? As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it. Now that's interesting because there's just enough soil in the rocky ground to take the seed. This is the one who receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself. He endures a while, But then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, that's interesting. When persecution or tribulation arises on account of the word, or in other words, on account of the fact that the teachings of the kingdom have had an impact in your life, immediately he falls away. All right, so let's put Satan away for a little while here. All right, I have here a rock, all right? (laughs) heads up. All right. So the rock is going to go on our soil. All right. Now I'm going to put, I'm going to put a little seed on the rock. There it is. All right. I know you guys can all see that. So the way Jesus describes it, I'm, I'm going to put a little soil there too. Okay. The way Jesus describes this is there is rocky soil. There's soil, with the rocks in it. The soil is very shallow, but it's enough to take a seed that produces a shoot, but there's no room for roots. And he describes, this is the person who responds to the teachings of Of Jesus or the the word of the kingdom with joy. Jesus celebrates joy, man. Celebrates things like our epic retreat and big, you know, crowds coming together to worship. Like, I think Jesus celebrates those things when people come together in the name of joy to celebrate their faith in Jesus. And I'm sure all of us on some level are this person or know this person who comes to those things and it's like in that moment we're swept up. We call it like being on fire for Jesus, right? Like, I've been there, dude. Where you come to these things and you're like, Jesus is awesome, I love, he's the best man, right? Like, and you sing the songs, I don't know, what's like a popular, I'm so bad with worship music. What's like a, what's a, what's a bop right now? Good, good for you? No. No, okay. What's a worship bop right now? Hand it to All right, cool. Nobody knows worship music in this room, it's very good. I don't know the names of any, I don't, I'm not great with that, but you, know, you get my point, like we're in the room and we're singing and it's like the 10th chorus, we're like, Jesus, right? Like we're in that moment, we're responding with joy. Or, that, or maybe you know that person who didn't believe in Jesus, but you've invited them to come to like that retreat and you're singing and worshiping and the room's hype and this movement's happening and you can feel the presence of the spirit and out of the corner of your eye you see the person like slowly lifting their hands up and you've been praying for their soul forever. And you go, oh, 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 take that Satan, you dumb bird, right? Like we're, you're celebrating. We're responding in joy to the seed of God's word in our lives. But Jesus says, There are people who respond in joy to the initial seed of God's word, but when the sun comes, which is a metaphor for testing, there's no root system. The roots cannot escape the heat. There's no depth, and the heat of the sun withers that plant. Jesus describes that as when tribulation, when trials come, when people experience embarrassment because they follow Jesus, when people experience pressure because they follow Jesus, when, when people misunderstand you because you follow Jesus, because you responded with joy to Jesus, and now you're kind of weird, all of a sudden you feel like, oh, maybe, uh, maybe I should leave this behind. Guys, when I came to know Jesus, I was around your age, I was 16 years old, I did not know a thing about theology, about the Bible, anything. And I was like, man, I I need to learn some of this. And so I went to to a Bible college to learn about God's word and about God. I didn't know a thing. I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't grow up with any of it. And I went to college with other, it's a Bible college. I went to Bible college with a lot of people who loved Jesus. And now, I graduated from undergrad undergrad in 2009. yeah. And now, over 10 years later, so many of my friends from Bible college are no longer walking with Jesus. From Bible college, it's not like, yeah, I met some friends at Clemson, man, we went to FCA once a year. Like, no, I'm like, Bible college. It is possible to respond to the Word of God with joy initially and to fall away eventually. Because there's no depth to your faith. There's no roots to your faith. You cannot withstand the suffering that will come with following Jesus. You thought it was all gonna be fun and games. You thought it was all gonna be joy. You thought it was all gonna be great. And then all of a sudden, you're weird. Then all of a sudden, you're lonely because you follow Jesus. Then all of a sudden, people don't understand you. Then all of a sudden, you start losing friends. Then all of a sudden, people make fun of you. And all of a sudden, it's like, uh, I'm out. I thought it was gonna feel like it did at the retreat. Jesus describes this person as someone who doesn't have roots, someone who's shallow because the rock prevents them from growing deeper. Jesus describes the rocky soil or, or the sun uh, cooking the roots as someone with shallow faith. The sun is shallow faith. Now he starts talking about, put my seed and my dirt back. Oh, by the way, I have this Nerf gun. yeah. It's not loaded. It doesn't have a dart. But I was putting, I was putting my props in a, in a bag to take uh, tonight. And my sons, my sons snuck this in there. And I heard them giggling their heads off. And they, and they came up to me and they were like, daddy, we, we're playing a joke on you. And I was like, oh, cool. And they're like, we put something in your bag. And I was like, oh, cool, buddy. So I just want you to know they thought this would be hilarious if I pulled a nerve gun out. I'll tell them. I'll tell them. You got me, buddy. All right. Okay. Jesus then describes thorns. I got some thorns here, okay? Real ones, too. All right. I know they, my hands bled when I was, I won't. These I'll just do right here, okay? Thank you, thank you. All right, so Jesus describes another type of soil that has thorns. All right, that's good. But He also describes that initially there is a response. So let's just pretend our seed went in and we've got our little plant growing right in the middle there, okay? That's us. Jesus says, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. They've heard it. Does anyone in this room have ears? If you do, you should listen. I think that's what Jesus keeps driving at, this idea of hearing the word. If you've heard the word, you've received the word. Those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. So Jesus also describes in this one, there is some kind of growth, like the seed went into the soil and produced something, but the concerns of the world, do we have this verse up here? Verse uh, 22, the thorns, there it is. The, The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. This is kind of amazing to me because Jesus isn't talking about some huge sin here. He does not say, man, they received the word, but ah, uh, they just can't get over their lust problem. He doesn't say here, man, they've received the word, but they killed somebody. He says, they received the word and the everyday, seemingly mundane, deceitfully camouflaged concerns of the world. In other words, worries of life. The everyday worries, the things that compete for your attention, begin to choke out your focus on Jesus. How many of you watch the news every day or know someone who's like, I got to tune into the news? I'm not going to say who, but I have a relative. Whenever they visit my house, the first thing they ask every time, which is like, I've already told you, man. But every time they're like, oh, you got Fox News? I'm like, no, I don't have cable TV. I don't have TV, man. Like we have a streaming service. We have Netflix. Like I I don't have the news. How do you keep up with us? Like I keep up with what's important. I like get the summary, but man, I'm not watching the news. How do you know what's going on in the world? It's like, oh, okay. Um, like you guys know who I'm talking about? You guys have someone like that in your family? Maybe you are that person. I don't know. But it's like all of a sudden you start like, I need to know, I need to know, what's the next bad report, what's the next bad news, what's the next variant, I wonder what's happening now, I wonder who died, like all this stuff. And it's like, wow! How consuming is that on our attention? Or let's go back to what do I open with, what we talked about earlier, social media. It's like, man, I got I to gotta figure out who the next influencer is, I got to learn the new dance, I got to learn the new trend, I got to blah, 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 I got to get followers. I, I, it's like, dude, Wow! How many concerns begin growing up about all that? And Jesus isn't just talking about concerns. He also adds this idea of the deceitfulness of riches. Most of you in the room are like, oh, don't worry about me, buddy. I'm broke. <laughs> right? Like, that ain't me. But it's not just about the money you have. It's about the money you want. See, wealth provides a very deceitful lie that if you get enough money, you can be secure in this life. The first year of marriage, my first year of marriage, my wife and I rented a home. Man, we were so broke. Man, we were so broke. We rented a home. It was like a 1936 farm home that had never been uh, updated inside, really. The insulation in that home, I think, was cotton balls. Like, dude, there was like no insulation in this home. And to save money, we didn't run the AC in the summer. This is Columbia, South Carolina. We didn't run the AC in the summer. And we didn't run the heat in the winter. I, she, she was a night shift uh, nurse in the ER. I'd go to bed most nights on my own, and I could see my breath in my own room. I know, you're like, dude, that's nuts. I get it. I bundle up, like, I'm not, I'm not crazy, man. Like, I bundle up, but it was cold. We didn't have internet. <laughs> <laughs> Call an ambulance, right? We didn't have internet, we didn't have TV. I just got my first smartphone because the the church I was working at gave it to me. They were like, hey, you're going to need this to relate to students. But I didn't have a, I don't think I, it was like, it it was an iPhone 4 and I I don't think it had data. It was like 3G back then, right? Like we didn't have anything. I mean, literally we we had some food in the fridge and we had each other. I know. Uh, We didn't have kids yet. No, we didn't have TV. We didn't have anything. My wife and I, she was a night shift nurse, remember? Like, I remember the first time she got on day shift. It was a year into her marriage. I remember the first time we brushed our teeth together at the same time. And I thought, is this what married couples do? This is amazing, right? Like, we had nothing but each other. And we look back on that first year of marriage so fondly. You know what I've learned about money? The more money I get, the more money I want. It creates so many desires of like, man, if I just had a little bit more, I could create this comfort level of life. The desire of wealth is a deceitful thing. And Jesus knows this. It's incredibly hard to be wealthy and follow Jesus. He teaches a lot about money. It's not impossible. There's a lot of wealthy people who love Jesus, but it's hard. And Jesus is saying, listen, you got to be careful because even if you're not rich now, you can begin to orient your life around wealth at this age now that sets you on a trajectory where you convince yourself, man, if I just had enough money, then I wouldn't have all these worries in the world. I wouldn't have all these things. And Jesus is like, dude, no. The thorny soil is distracted faith. It's a faith that is kind of there, but you start to focus on all these other things. All these things begin to choke you out. The thorny soil is distracted faith. Thorns are a distracted faith. Jesus has one more soil. Obviously, it's the good soil that he talks about. He says, one seed though, one seed falls on good soil and it responds and it grows. This is the one who hears the word and understands it. Remember, that's not just here, that's here in the heart. And it bears fruit, some a hundredfold, another 60, another 30. The, 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 the amount of fruit is not what's important. What's important in Jesus's teaching is it's bearing fruit. If, if The path is a frozen faith, and the sun is a shallow faith, and the thorns are a distracted faith. The good soil is a practiced faith. It's not perfect every time. It's not like you get it right every time. You don't understand everything every time. But you're practicing, you're doing something with your faith. This series that I want to launch into is all about practicing the ways of Jesus, not freezing until we figure it all out, not having a shallow faith that withers away at the slightest temptation or tribulation or trial, not a distracted faith that becomes so concerned with the worries of this world or always wanting more, but a practice faith. You're trying to figure it out. You're relying on the Spirit. You're you're copying the ways of our Master Jesus. You're practicing your faith as we grow in our faith. Jesus says, those who practice their faith, this is what he taught. Remember his Sermon on the Mount? At the end of his Sermon on the Mount, he summarizes it like this in Matthew 7, 24. He says, those who hear my words and do them, (laughs) like not just hear them, but do something with them. You're practicing your faith. Jesus says, that seed that falls on good soil grows magic. Yeah, I, this, I planted it right before I came on stage. <laughs> Jesus says, the seed in the good soil grows. And it doesn't just grow, but it begins to bear fruit. So again, Jesus, Jesus is teaching this parable, not to tell you what kind of soil you are, but to literally put this out in front of you and say, now, don't just scroll past this. Don't just go to the next thing. Don't search for the rush of endorphins and dopamine. Don't wait on our annual retreat. Deal with this in the here and now. Do something with what you've heard. Reflect on it. Which soil are you? Do you find yourself wrestling so much with what you hear that you never practice your faith? Do you find yourself responding to Jesus, but only in the really hype moments and never actually growing deep? Do you find yourself distracted in life? Your screen time would be a good indicator of that. A lot of you have been on your phones this entire sermon. You think I can't see, but it's pretty obvious. Do you find yourself distracted? I'm on my Bible app, man. Oh, (laughs) right. (laughs) Do you find yourself distracted? Concerned with this world? Already planning your life out? Already imagining how much money you're going to have to create your control and security in this life? Or are you practicing the ways of Jesus, which seem to be oriented around love and generosity and repentance, and a care for the poor and the broken of this world, and an opposition to those who manipulate and abuse power and systems. You do realize the American dream and the kingdom of God are not the same, right? Jesus desires to put this parable in front of you so that you can wrestle with it, not scroll past it, but so that you can begin to identify which soil am I? As we kick off this series of practicing the ways of Jesus, my hope and my prayer for this room is that we would have a practiced faith, a faith in action, that we would hear Jesus' teaching and we would do something about it. That's my hope and my prayer. Let's pray. Spirit, we pray that you would guide our thoughts and our hearts. Help us understand, not just up here, but in here. Help us identify which soil we are and help us repent. Help us hear the teaching of the kingdom and do something with it. Jesus, this entire parable centers around hearing your word. Everyone in this room has ears. I pray that we hear your teaching, that we would respond to your teaching, and that would be evident in the growth in our life, the fruit of our life, that we are in the good soil. We're not just hearing your word. We are responding to your word. We're practicing our faith. Jesus, you're the master. I pray our practices would be your practices. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.